know about you, but for me, I don't know that I have ever prayed over as many people during a, a worship, a time of worship as I was able to right then. My heart was going to our mission partners in Costa Rica and El Salvador, to our our, our ministers spread all over the country to our church family members who, who are at home and not able to be here in person for our praise team. It's just a, a pretty powerful thing when we realize that part of living a life of worship is living in obedience to God and what God has called us to do and what he's given us is that, that call to encourage each other day after day, the call to pray for one another. And so um, what a special time. Uh, we get to share in this morning a few things I want to get you ready for as we come into it um, for the next few weeks we're going to be starting to transition a few things our video team has been running 900 miles an hour through COVID and we're going to give them a couple of weeks to catch their breath amen can you just encourage them this morning you know they are they have made the transition from playing with paper mache to, to riding in a NASCAR race through this. And so as they have been churning and running, we're going to be using the next three weeks to really try to get ahead with some of our, our children's ministry moments, with some of our testimonies coming up for the year, missions videos. They, their plate is still full. Our goal was just to come up, let them catch their breath, kind of like you're playing in the pool with your little brother, just enough to catch your breath before they go back under again. And so know that that's going on. If you have children in your home, in, in the room with us right now, or at home, I want to let you know there's two things. We are engaging our children a little bit differently and a little bit deeper as we begin this, start, this stretch of the new year. So we have older and younger worship kits. Um, if you're in the room with us, they're available at every entry. If you're at home with us, on our live tab, you can actually download those worship kits and it ties together what our children are learning in small group Bible study and what's happening here in worship together. And then we're going to be building on that some interactive ways to engage uh, moving forward. So, so we're going to continue developing that but uh, just be aware and be ready for the next few weeks. You're going to start seeing um, maybe that awkward haircut stage. You know what I mean? You're trying to let it grow out a little bit, but it's the, it doesn't lay down straight for the next few weeks. That's what we're going to be looking at as we move forward and prepare uh, for transitions with our video and our children's uh, engagement here in worship. Um, I, I'm excited to be talking to you today on a day where we focus on love, whether you like it or not. Amen? And, and in that, I thought, what better to do today than talk about friction, right? I mean, because if you've been in love for any length of time, whether it be with your child, with your spouse, with your parent, whether you have a deep friendship love I feel like we may have abandoned what it means to have a love for a friend because we're in the world of perverting it right now whatever is going on here's what you know that that love there's never a place where it's always smooth it, it, there's always going to be some friction that is going to come into it and then when we find that we find out that when we are called to love the world God's calling us to love a people who cause friction and that's what we're going to be looking at today as we look in the book of Acts, because as we walk through this, what my prayer is, is that we jump in the word with Peter, with John in the book of Acts, that we will see how to follow the Spirit as sin attempts 
for the friction that we encounter to pull us away from being the hands and feet of Christ, of loving people like they do. Now, here's what I do understand. Um, there are things that will cause us frustration on some days that don't cause us frustration on another day. Amen? Have you ever just woken up on the wrong side of the bed? And, and, and you got up, and, and on the way out of the room, you trip on someone's shoe or, heaven forbid, Lego. Amen? And, and on a normal day, like if you wake up in a good mood and you just had your prayer time and your coffee and you trip on the church shoe, you're like, oh, I love my sweet children. And you, you just put it to the side. But, but then there are certain days where you wake up and you're doing the same thing on your, your way to kind of do a quick Bible study. You trip on a shoe and all of a sudden friction. Amen? Like who had these children? These are yours. Have you ever given your, your children away to your spouse? This is your daughter. This is your son. Friction kind of comes up in the middle of it. You know, what, what we need to know is when we are going to experience that friction is we need to know a little background story, right? We want to know the setting of what's going on. That's really important that we allow the Spirit to set the tone, to set the pace for us so that we see that God has tailored life for us. He has tailored His Word to us. Although it applies in every situation, it brings light to let us see the differentiations, the color tones of every scenario. So look with me at Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 1, 5, and 6. Don't worry, we're not skipping 2, 3, and 4. We'll get there. But 1, 5, and 6, because I want you to see that the setting for what's happening here that, that Peter and uh, John are, are in the midst of. So Acts chapter 4, verse 1, 5, and 6. The Bible says this. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders, scribes gathered in Jerusalem, and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas with John and Alexander and all who were with the high priestly family. Okay? So Peter and John are being introduced again to an environment. In this environment, they have, remember Acts chapter 3, we, we had chap last week, but before that, we talked about how the man was healed, right? Where, where Peter and John said, listen, what I have, I give to you. I don't have money, my pockets aren't full, but what I have is better, I give it to you. And this man is healed, he has followed them into the temple, into the synagogue, where everybody's there to worship, and this guy's praising the Lord. Well, what happens is, in the synagogue, in public, these stinky, smelly fishermen who aren't educated, who weren't chosen to go to rabbi school, who, who necessarily weren't clean all the time by their definition, who didn't dress right, who didn't wear the, the tassels right on their robes or have the right things around their, their wrists, they are causing a stir and getting attention. And the problem is the Sadducees are not a fan of this. You see, but the Sadducees in Scripture during this time, they tried to trace their roots all the way back to Levi. They, they tried to, to make themselves like the keeper of things. And they've worked their way in with the government, right? The ruling party, this was the religious, we're behind you. And as they'd worked their way in, they found this, this level of esteem. 
And they had found this idea of, listen, if we bless you, you're blessed. If we curse you, you're cursed. If we don't acknowledge you, sit down and be quiet. And here, these fishermen are causing a stir. And, and they are aware that a man has been healed. And they're not liking that the attention is coming off of their direction and onto this message in these men. Now, in this group is Caiaphas and Annas. Do you remember those names? They helped send Jesus to the cross. This is not hundreds of years later. These are people who don't like Jesus. Why? What did Jesus do? He talked about a few things. One, he talked about God and not their hierarchical system. Two, he claimed to be the Messiah, and they believed the Messiah was an ideal, not a real person. In other words, that, that this idea of Messiahhood or Messiahship was kind of how man bring about heaven on earth in their lifetime. So they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in heaven. They didn't believe in all of these, these things. And yet the problem is, is that these stinky fishermen with no body are not only associated with Jesus, they're talking about the resurrection and the life. This is a hostile environment church here's what i want you to know and me to know when you and i are living for jesus you are walking daily into hostile environments you're walking daily into traps maybe in your own house because there's going to be someone around you who's not living for jesus in that moment even if they claim christ and and so here's the the touch here's a this is a free bite you and I don't have to act offensively as believers to get the world's attention. Because the unusual love and walk that we will have if we live for Jesus is offensive enough. Don't distract from what has already gotten people's attention. Have you ever had a moment like that? Maybe on Valentine's Day, maybe you're a gift exchanger. And you went through all the trouble of putting out everybody's card and candy or whatever. And, and there's only one person in the house you don't put something out for. Who is that, ladies? You, right? Christmas is this way. And you're great. And you wake up in the morning and there's nothing for you. Yet, you're hoping. You start falling into this mode, this moment of, wait a second, I'm acting like Jesus. I'm showing my family love. Somebody better love me. And it better not be a piece of computer paper and a pen, honey, this morning. We have to see this environment that we're walking into. And in this moment, as friction starts to happen, let me tell you what boils up. When you are trying to live for Jesus and you live in an imperfect world where everybody else isn't to all the time, and some of them not at all. Chapter, chapter 4, verse 2. It says this. The Sadducees came upon them and were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people proclaiming Jesus in, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And 
don't you love that the word annoyed is in the Bible? It's actually greatly annoyed. Do you have things that annoy you? Like you're sitting in line because it says construction a mile ahead and you're in the left lane and that person flies by you and they go up to the front and you're like, Lord Jesus, please don't let anyone be kind to them. Show them no favor for a thousand generations and upon their children and their children right have you have you have you had those moments where there are just certain things that they just get you so the bible here when it says greatly annoyed the picture is that these men are irked they are they have a thorn under their skin they're just there's just this men these men are doing the thing that irks them the most they are preaching in the temple without permission and what they are preaching is the resurrection of Jesus Christ they're living for Christ they are walking with Christ and what does that have an impact on it causes men to be annoyed why now catch this who is the idol of annoyance let me let me say this differently who am I most thinking about when I am hoping the guy that cuts in line isn't let in by anybody am I thinking about the grandma two cars behind me am I am I thinking about the truck driver up ahead am I thinking about the emergency that they could be in even though I saw him on his cell phone and he looks like a punk anyway right am I thinking about him who am I thinking about me me when I've gone all out to show my whole family I love them and they don't respond back by by cuddle and loves and attention or whatever who's my idol me right I mean for one moment is there ever been a time in your life when you were annoyed where you weren't focused on yourself happy valentines right and, and these men these sadducees they're worried about them about the attention that they haven't received because they've been living it right this this reality for us is when annoyance pops up when you are clinging to be annoyed, you are not living for Jesus in that moment. I mean, think of what Jesus did when he brought forth correction. He made it known. He said, here's, here's what's happening. How could you do this? He didn't, he didn't let it linger. He didn't hold on to it. If a correction needed to be made, he just said it and moved on. Because his attention was not on men. And so I want you to know, you and I can be on the outlook for temptation and sin when we see annoyance start to rise up in our circle. Because what's happening nine times out of ten, if you're living for Christ, is that friction is being caused with someone living for Jesus and someone else distracted by themselves. The reality is, you may be a player on both sides of the fence different days of the week. So, so what do we do when that friction happens? How do we recognize sin's attempt to deal with difficult situations and hard positions versus the Spirit? Well, look in your Bible. 
verse 3 and verse 4. This is what the Bible says. It says, And they arrested them and put them into custody until the next day, for it is already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. And they arrested them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But the many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of them was 5,000. You see, here's how sin woos you and I to deal with annoyances. Cause submission through misery. Right? I mean, if I make you miserable then you're going to know you're doing something wrong. And I need to, to get you back into submission of my way of doing it, of my way of seeing it. You see, what sin does is it tempts to pull anyone into focus on self, on man. Sin doesn't point us to Jesus and how to deal when people are annoyed with us and they have no reason, right? And, and I'll be honest, what's annoying? When someone's annoyed for, with you and you don't know why, or they're annoyed and they, they have the wrong perspective. They've been judgmental, whatever it might be. That can get under our skin. And what sin tempts us to do when we're living for Jesus and someone is wronging us is to play by their rules because sin wants you to worship anybody but Jesus. And so recognize its attack. Recognize its attempt. Because it draws you to make others not feel the love of Christ, but the misery of self so that they can be where you are, miserable. And how, how many times has an expression of love ended with a small annoyance, ripping everybody from the picture of Jesus? You see, that's what sin attempts to do. Now, here's the amazing thing, and this is the joy for us. In verse 4, the reality is, is listen, God's still at work, verse 4, even when sin is trying to submit God's people. So, so we don't have to be worried about where we stand or how we stand because God is at work even when sin attempts to cause misery and pull us away. Do you know that God is still at work in your marriage? If you are living for him, if you are seeking him, even if the whole day you have been at odds with your spouse and you don't know why. They just woke up the wrong side of the bed. It's just a bad day at work and they brought it home. Do you know if you are still living in obedience to Christ, with, with a friend group that changes at school, with a work environment that, that transitions because someone comes in, do you realize that even when sin is attempting to control, that God is still moving? And, and, and let me tell you what God is doing. Not only is he working in the world around you, in obedience to Christ, he can work in you. 
to give you revelation of what's going on so that you might not be living in the dark because at least when we are enlightened in what's happening we stop chasing the answers that's what happens here look in your bible verse 5 through 12 he says, on the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes are gathered in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who are of the priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Now, now catch this, because the Spirit is in the revelation business. The Spirit is not about keeping people in the dark away from Jesus. The Spirit is about drawing God's people closer to him and in this question he starts to reveal it to God's people you see because the Sadducees they want to know how this type of person pulled off this type of miracle did you catch that the emphasis in this in the Greek is on you by what power right by what name did you do this like, you shouldn't be able to do this. You shouldn't exceed in this area. You shouldn't be powerful enough to work behind the scenes. You see, they're annoyed that, that these men are preaching the resurrection. They're bothered that these men are in the temple. But the Spirit makes the root, makes the root obvious. It's not that these men are doing anything. People probably annoyed Pharisees, Sadducees all day long. But, but this type of power, this type of influence, it belongs to us. They went to church every Sunday. They, they wrote their tithe check every morning. They put blinders on so they wouldn't look at someone of the opposite sex. They, they, they made sure in their life that their clothes were clean and their hands were washed and, and their life was right. And so how in the world can you have what we do not? Church, jealousy likes to work its way in to a relationship that surrounds a believer. But filled by the Spirit, look in your Bible, the Bible says that Peter responded this way. Filled by the Spirit, then Peter said, Rulers of the people, elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, then by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you have been crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Man, the Spirit says, listen, I know why you're attacking. Because it's self-preservation. In this moment, Peter and John say, you're worried about us. You're annoyed by us. Let me tell you, let me answer your question." You're not asking about the resurrection. You're, you're not dealing with surface level things. You have a Jesus problem. 
And what Jesus has done here has healed a man, but it's more than that because this is the Jesus whom you crucified. This is the Jesus whom you nailed to a cross, whom you rejected. And there's no other name associated. My name doesn't need to be mentioned. Church, can you imagine the power of this moment? You see, we build our place a little different than the Sadducees would build theirs. The judges sat on risers in a semicircle like this room. And, and the person on trial stood in the middle, not being able to see everyone at one time while everyone who judged them could see each other and respond in judgment. And Peter, in this moment, filled with the Holy Spirit, elevates the name of Jesus. Church, could you imagine what would have happened if Peter and John would have said, are you kidding me? You bunch of jerks. You're a bunch of fools. Could you imagine if they said, if you have a powerful God, if your way is the right way, then put up or, sh or shut up. Find yourself in this moment. Prove yourself to us. Could you imagine if their anger and their frustration and their annoyance became self-elevated instead of Christ elevating? There would have been no power in their defense. Church, that's the temptation of sin to a believer. Is you prove yourself right with passion. Yet what does the Spirit do? He says, slow your roll, Exodus 14, 14. Be still. I'll fight for you. What does he say to Isaiah? Be still, be quiet, listen. You see, sin tempts us to spoil the Spirit's voice. But in this moment, Peter and John, filled with the Spirit, don't get drawn in to a fight in the mud from where they have been saved. Instead, they show everyone around them, this is about Jesus. How has your marriage survived for 50 years? Let me tell you about Jesus. How, how do you endure in your workplace when you're being demoted just because of the way you act and live? Let me tell you about Jesus. How do we endure with our children through their teenage years? Let me talk to you about Jesus. You see, if any moral teaching is defended on the feet of man then it is standing in the mud of sin but if all of our leading rests upon one name the name of jesus no other name then all of a sudden the spirit is allowed to rule and move and we get to taste life verse 13 now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived they were uneducated common men they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus and listen as a Christian do you love this passage I love it I'm like I want to smell like Jesus now I I've read this passage so many times in a certain way like you got him Jesus you showed them what it was up here's uneducated men rocking the world and they got nothing to say. 
wonder if that's what they felt. I wonder if in this moment they were more annoyed than when they started. Like, here are uneducated, they've proven it, they weren't eloquent speakers, these punk fishermen who didn't make it to rabbi school and have been hanging out with this Messiah impersonator that we have killed. Unbelievable. You see, we, we can't expect sin to interpret the name of Jesus in a flowery way every time Jesus shows up. So we have to be ready for sin to respond. Because it's amazing how many times we've tried to take the high road and act like Jesus in an issue or a fight or in friction. And we give it the old college go. I'm following Jesus for the first 15 minutes, but now I'm done. You've made it personal. Has that ever happened? Have you ever found yourself just worn down like I've been trying to follow Jesus so much and so much and it keeps coming and it keeps coming and it keeps coming? the more people recognize that you and I are following Jesus and this isn't something unique that I obtain that they can find, they're going to respond. Verse 14. But seeing that the man who had been healed was standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Verse 15. When they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another and said, what should we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through, through them, and it's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no, no more to anyone in this name. So they call them and charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You see, basically what they do is they say, listen, let me keep you distracted by self-preservation. Guys, we're going to move past today. We're going to overlook this incident. But from now on, don't keep doing what you're doing. And we'll be easy on you. Let's just talk about things of the world in a worldly fashion that everybody can understand. If you're game for that, copacetic honey we, we've been having a lot of friction in our relationship lately and, and you keep talking about Jesus and quite honestly it's bothersome and I don't have any comeback for it but here's how we make life easy if, if you would just talk in my terms and leave God out of it then I'll make peace with you you know what it if, if my child can just graduate high school with their integrity intact, if that means he has to compromise a little Jesus here and compromise a little Jesus there, it's, listen, it's all right. It's worth the peace. It's worth avoiding the friction. If, if I can continue being at my workplace around my friends, are you following me? What sin wants you to do is compromise Jesus for the sake of self. Because it can't make you submit. You have to submit freely. You have to let go of Christ and your witness alone. Only you can submit yourself to the sinful desires of which Jesus has freed you from. And so when sin realizes I can't make you submit, then I'll appeal to your humanity. Leave your religion alone. And let's figure out the world's problems together. That's a compromise. 
what do we do like there's there's some positivity if i'm not thinking of jesus and i'm tired of fighting I'm, I'm tired of people bringing it at me people who wear the banner of christ and those who are clothed obviously in their own life when i'm tired isn't it easy to say whatever you're offering is better than what i'm enduring right now let's just keep the peace that's not where the spirit leads because the spirit is already one you see the spirit keeps the focus on the lord look in verse 19 but peter and john answered them whether it is right in the sight of god to listen to you rather than to god you judge for yourself for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard now catch this Peter and John are no longer trying to convince they are no longer trying to plead their case man in a world where all of society is lifting up self lifting up sin in the society that they live in look what happens in this moment Peter and John say we aren't here to pretend we are the Holy Spirit for you so you judge for yourself the best way to act the right way to follow but I can only speak of what has been revealed to me see church the Spirit doesn't lead us down, and He doesn't lead us to force Christ on others. He leads us to speak the truth, uncompromising truth. And when others say, I don't want to hear about it anymore, to say, hey, here's the reality. I can only preach from what I've seen. If, if you don't like my parenting, because it's a little too much Bible it's a little too much Jesus hey you judge for yourself what you think is best but I'm telling you I won't stop you see because self-preservation changes the tone regard or, or, or dependent upon the situation doesn't it if things are good Jesus is lifted high if things are kind of rocky rocky downplay it if my child asks me a, a difficult question about marriage, life, relationships, finances, if we're tithing really well, I'll answer it really strong in Jesus. If it's not, I'll compromise. I had someone ask me not long ago, Pastor, do you think one day the church will compromise on homosexuality kind of like we have on divorce? And my heart broke in that moment. when the church compromises on the word of God regardless of the standard if we don't tell the truth in the love of Christ not in the flesh of self we stop being the church but, but we can have integrity in that friction church you see that's where the spirit leads and let me give you a promise 
It's witnessed in this moment, but it is proclaimed throughout the pages of Scripture. It says, verse 21, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. Do you know that is where the Spirit leads? In the midst of being threatened, He leads you to a point of praise. In the midst of deep struggle, He leads you to a point of praise. When you live your life, when you endure the hardships, when you are abandoned by the one you gave your promise to, when you are tempted by those who you long to be a part of, if you cling to Jesus, if you let the Spirit lead you in those times of difficulty, of frustration or hardship, the promise is you will land in a place of praise. Don't let worry draw you down. Don't let threats draw you down. Don't let concerns draw you down. If man abandons you, you cling to Jesus. If man clings to you, you cling to Jesus. Church, this morning, there's one way to know if you have a relationship with Jesus to cling to. Peter says it. Do you recognize that it was your sin that nailed him to the cross? Do you recognize that you may have been talking Jesus? You may have been denying Jesus. But whatever it was, if Jesus has been rejected by you as the cornerstone, as the, as the, the pivot point for your life to be built on, then this word is for you. Because there is no other name by which you can experience life, salvation, than Jesus. And this morning, whether you've never known the name of Jesus, the call is still for you. If you've been wrestling with self or situation, the Spirit will still lead you to the name of Jesus. So let's pray. And let's just bow before that name which is above every name and invite him to lead us this morning. Father God, we praise you for the gift of your spirit. Lord, I don't know a single person, including me, God, that has passed the frustration, the friction test every time. Lord, I know not a perfect soul who's managed every situation in their power that, that brings you can glory. Lord, I, I don't know any person who hasn't said things that they regret or felt the sting of abandonment by people who didn't want to share in what we have. Father God, this morning... I pray that this room, I pray that those online, Lord, would not be deceived by the voice of sin. Wouldn't be drawn into misery. Wouldn't be drowned by regret. Wouldn't be lost in pain and hurt of relationship. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning 
that your name would be lifted high. That your spirit would fight when the enemy brings misery. That your your misery, your your spirit would speak. Lord, when when the enemy tries to intimidate or, or make us think that they're have our best in mind. So God, would you put your hand and your spirit upon each person in this room, upon each child, Lord, that sits at home. Would you allow the friction to be dealt with by the only one who can fight sin's attack. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Church,